Hi, you are listening to the Life in Paradise podcast with your host Brandon Harper. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Life in Paradise podcast. With me, your host Brandon Harper. Today's January first, twenty twenty-three, and as far as my recollection, Your Majesty goes. I think this is the first ever podcast I've done on New Year's Day. But I don't know. I can't remember. So go back and look. Let me know. I'm just a regular dude with a regular job and lots and lots of opinions. So I come here about once every week or so to get them off my chest. Some you'll agree with. Others you won't. And I'm perfectly okay with that. The world would be a boring place if we all agreed about everything. And the world would be a better place if we could all disagree without being disagreeable. However, sometimes I wonder if being disagreeable is not the solution. Depends on the personality type. I'm going to get more into that in a little bit. But for now, in honor of my promise to keep the intros shorter, which, don't forget, are not pre-recorded, sit back, relax, and enjoy the hot air balloon ride for about the next 30 to 45 minutes. Siri, what's the temperature outside? It's currently 73 degrees. That's right. New Year's Day and it's 73 degrees. You know, in the summertime, I bitch and I bitch about the heat and it being hot and the air conditioning bill being high. But man, I do love 73 degrees on New Year's Day. For most people, that's like an early fall day. But here we are in South Texas, January 1, 73 degrees. You will hear no complaints from me about that. You know, I used to like it cold. I used to sleep with my windows open. It would be 45 degrees. I'd get a huge down comforter and wad up in it like a cocoon. And as I get older, I like that less and less. I just want it to be 73 degrees year-round. That's what I would choose. So it's a good New Year's Day here in South Texas. The sun's shining, the doors are open, the dog's roaming around. I got a bunch of dead plants from the freeze last week, but that's okay. That's okay. They'll be back. I have confidence in them. My little plants will be back. I am the worst at keeping plants alive. I'm telling you, I can keep dogs alive forever. Cats and plants are definitely my weak point. I'm not good at cats and plants, and I will, I will admit it. I will admit it. I will also admit that I had the most boring New Year's Eve ever, and I was so happy about it. I've gotten to the point in my old age when I don't like the cold weather and I don't care about New Year's. And I know it probably goes against what a lot of you guys think, but I was happy to just hang out at home a, another regular night. Of course, it sounded like Beirut outside my house, lots of fireworks and Baghdad explosions, but... That's just, you know, twice a year is all that happens. It's okay. But I had a long week, and I was exhausted, and it was good just to sit at home. Okay, okay, enough about my last 24 hours. I have got some stuff to talk about today. First thing I'm going to start out with is a clip from Representative Emanuel Cleaver. Now, I've been meaning, meaning to play this clip for a while now. I just Sometimes I get going, and I forget about stuff, and I don't look at my notes, and then I look back. And I think, dang, I didn't get to that. So th this one's been getting bumped, but I'm going to play it for you because you'll you'll hear the clip in the future. You'll hear the, the money line, what I like to call it, or the tagline of the clip. You'll hear that in the future. So I want you to familiarize yourself so that you know where it came from, okay? If you'll remember a couple weeks ago, Sam Binky Bankman Freed, the SBF money launder and wired thieving crook who made off with a couple of billion dollars of taxpayer money, 
was supposed to testify before Congress, and he couldn't make it. He got arrested in the Bahamas. And I'm going to go into detail about the situation with him here in a second. But for now, I want you to hear this clip. Representative Emanuel Cleaver was questioning the people that were surrounding the FTX debacle in Congress a couple weeks ago. And he had a brilliant, brilliant idea. He wants to get this. You're going to love this. You're going to wonder, you're going to wonder how this guy has never been heard of before. He wants to change the name of cryptocurrency to, well, you know what? I'm just going to let you listen. I, you wouldn't believe me if I told you because it's so brilliant. So here, just, just listen for your own good. Now, keep in mind, keep in mind, I just want to add this. That this gentleman, who you're about to hear, Representative Cleaver Brooks, whatever, what was his name? I can't even remember the dude's name. Emmanuel Cleaver. Emmanuel Cleaver was talking to the now acting CEO of FTX, the guy who's going through the bankruptcy on behalf of the company. Now, this guy doesn't really know a lot about crypto. He's not really necessarily involved in the crypto industry. He's just a CEO that gets hired. To, to get companies through bankruptcy. Because once you declare bankruptcy, your CEO is not allowed to touch the money. He's not allowed to access anything. He's got to just step away. So this is the guy that's been hired. This is the same guy that did the investigatory search for Enron when they did their bankruptcy. And, okay, here's Emmanuel Cleaver asking the CEO of FTX, who's just acting as a CEO, and here you go. You'll, you'll hear what he's asking. I'm, I'm intentionally not telling you because I don't think you'd believe me. I wonder if you would support a resolution that I've been thinking about introducing, um, changing the name of cryptocurrency to creepy dough currency. <laughs> creepy dough. Um, creepy dough. I'm, I'm going to discuss this with my colleagues. I think it's, I'm gonna discuss it's this. an appropriate name. I just wanted to know whether you would support it. Changing it to creepy dough. Creepy dough. Uh, I'll, I'll leave that skill set to, to, to the, the committee. Now, I wish you could see the look on the guy's face. John Ray, whatever his name is. He, he's kind of like looking at him and laughing. Now, this question is so out of context. This is like asking a doctor. This is like asking a doctor if he thinks that they should change uh, the legislation about the way that the, a title of a disorder is named, right? Is is They're asking some guy for his opinion that doesn't know anything about legislation or making rules or laws. To creepy dough currency. To creepy, creepy dough Courage. currency. <laughs> creepy dough. He wants to change it to creepy dough. Now, this is real cute. It's real funny. It's creepy dough, creepy dough. This is what I would expect coming from someone that well, this is what I would expect coming from a guy that we elected that has no business being in Congress. And I know there's probably some people thinking, well, why doesn't he have any business being in Congress? He just wants to do good things for the good people. Maybe he does, but he's not qualified, right? He's not qualified. Here's how I know he's not qualified. Number one, because he hasn't done his research. He doesn't understand the backbone of cryptocurrency, blockchain, and what it does. And you may not either, and that's perfectly okay. The difference between you and him is that he's representing the people in Congress. He's making decisions about laws and policy that are about to come about that will change the way that we do things, right? They love their laws. They love their rules. They love their policy. They love to just get things done. But he doesn't even know what it is he's talking about. If he is, he's making a spectacle of it, right? He's joking around, creepy dough. He's, I would like to know, if you calculated all of the salaries of the people who are sitting in that room, who's paid for by me and you and everyone else in this country who pays taxes, how much money is being wasted for this fool to sit up there and ask a CEO of a company if they should re- name legislation to creepy dough like this i mean i'm not the violent type violence normally doesn't come to my first you know reaction it's not it's not my first step to resolution but this this guy should be slapped across the face 
How dare you? Like, you smug, arrogant fool wasting everyone's time. And not only that, you're dumb. You are so dumb. So you are dumb. really dumb. Really For real. Dumb. For real. I can't see the left fingerprints and all. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. Yeah, he's that dumb. He is that dumb. Emmanuel Clever, Cleaver, whatever your name is, Mr. Creepy Doe, get on out of here with that garbage, nonsense, you time-wasting fool. I wonder if you would support a resolution that I've been thinking about introducing, um, changing the name of cryptocurrency to Creepy Doe currency. Um, I'm, I'm going to discuss this with my colleagues. I think it's... It's an appropriate name. I just wanted to know whether you would support changing it to Creepy Doe. I wonder if you would support changing it to Creepy Doe. Okay, enough Creepy Doe. Enough of this fool. This is yet another example of someone who's in a position of leadership that we have put there who is wasting time, money, energy, resources, and a seat in Congress that could be filled by a smart person. I really do hope that the more I play these clips, the more you think to yourself, man, I did not realize there was this many stupid people in our federal government. That's my goal, right? That's why I play these clips of these stupid people. I don't think it's good. I think it's embarrassing. It's, it's worthy of being mocked. But man, is it freaking embarrassing. I don't think other countries do this. I don't know for sure. I don't have that much of a of a magnifying glass in other countries. But I would be surprised if Poland did this or Ukraine or Romania. They don't gonna, they're not going to elect some foolish person up there who's going to sit there and say, I was wondering if we would change the name of crypto to Creepy Doe. I mean, gee whiz. You cannot stop Brendan. You can only hope to contain him. Okay, enough about that. My blood pressure's coming back down. I just took a big swig of my diet generic orange soda, which I know it's not good for you. So many chemicals, so many brain cancer, causing cancer. You know, there's so many things that we're doing now that we're going to look back on and think, what were we thinking? And sometimes I wonder, surely it's got to be like chemically induced sodas and aluminum cans. Like that's... That's definitely going to be something that we look back on or or even in plastic bottles. You know, I mean, that's uh, <laughs> we're going to look back and think, what were we thinking? All right. So now I want to update you on the actual happenings with the whole FTX saga. I'm sure you've been dying to get an update. So here we go. I don't have any more interviews for you, but I have some information. So Sam Binky Binkman Freed applied to be extradited to the U.S., so they, they put him on a private jet. They flew him back to New York where he got indicted. I don't remember all the official charges, but it was money laundering, wire fraud. It was all kind. It was a whole string of stuff, a whole, whole slew of stuff, as they say down here in Texas. And after approximately 24 hours of being in custody, they let him go. They said, okay, Binky Binkman, we understand that you robbed a few billion dollars, probably close to eight to ten billion dollars from hardworking individuals, and then all you could do is run around and go, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, yeah, I know, I know, you know, you know, I'm sorry, you know, I'm sorry. You know, I frankly don't feel like I feel confident what the right answer is there. I certainly don't feel like we've necessarily reached it as a society, though. Well, I wanted to get rich not because I like money, but because I wanted to give that money to. Why yeah. does that not apply to financial transactions? So, um, why does it not apply to financial transactions? Um, I think there are a few things here. So, first of all, do you still have enough cash if you needed to do another bailout? Yeah, yeah, we did, and, and we, we tried to keep that on hand. We had a couple billion going into the into this, and uh, you know, it winds up roughly with the amount that we'd raised, you know, over the last uh, last year, and you know, on top of that, we had been profitable. We provide open and free market data to all of our users. Yeah, so, you know, you know, you know, this guy, this guy is so weak and smug and foolish. I, I'm not, I'm not one to make fun of people. Well, I kind, I kind of am, but I don't make fun of people that are helpless and innocent. 
okay? I do make fun of people that are smug and arrogant and guilty. And this guy falls into that category. And people love to keep referring to him as kid and kid and kid. But the guy's 30 years old, okay? He's 30 years old, but he acts like a 15-year-old. Either way. Either way. So he was released on a $250 million bail. Okay, that's what the judge said. Basically, that's saying, hey, if you put up $250 million, we'll let little Sammy Binky Binkman walk around until his trial. So his parents went in there, and they said, hmm, $250 million. That's a lot of money. We know Sammy had a couple billion a couple months ago, but he doesn't have it anymore because he stole it, and he sent it to other people. So how about this? How about we'll put our house on the line? So they're going to guarantee their house, all right? That's $4 million, all right? Their house is worth $4 million. And then they had two other people that were willing to sign on the dotted line and say, if Sammy Binky Binkman fraud doesn't show up, then then we'll we'll cover the $250 million. And the judge said, okay, do you promise? And they said, yep, yep, we promise. And the judge said, okay, Sammy Binky Binkman Freud can go now. And said, so let him walk away. With no money out of pocket, they saw him the next day flying private. No, I'm sorry, not flying private, flying commercial, but first class back from New York to L.A. or wherever he's from, San Francisco, the land of fruit and nuts. He went back where he's tweeting and playing video games and waiting for his trial so he can get up there and say, you know, you know, um, you know, you know, I didn't really have the information. You know, it was just a big mistake. You know, it's just accounting errors and just talk around in circles, and then guess what's going to happen? He's not going to get anything of any substance for sentencing. He's going he's gonna to walk free. This guy, if he gets anything, it'll be a little bit of time at the country club. It's because he gave lots and lots and lots of money to the people who make and enforce the laws. I also think, and this is kind of going into a little more detail than maybe what you care to hear, but try to follow me here. There was two versions of FTX which is, remember, the platform that he started in 2018, 2019, something like that. So he started this platform where you can trade cryptocurrency. There was one called FTX, and there was another one called FTX US. The FTX US version is the one that uh, US citizens had to use. They had to participate in that one. The other FTX, anyone from around the world could participate in it. But... Not Americans, right? You couldn't have a U.S. IP address and participate on FTX, the non-U.S. version, because there was all kinds of crazy derivatives and, and trading instruments that you can use that the U.S. did not allow. But what people did was they would, they would bypass that system by using what's called a VPN, Virtual Private Network. And that hides your IP address. And remember, your IP address just shows basically the physical location of your computer and it hides that it tells ftx like oh no this guy's not in the u.s he's in mexico so then ftx allows that user to participate on their platform well what they did was they maintained enough money to cover the holdings of the u.s accounts right so of all the people who used ftx between both platforms i want to say like 10 percent of them used the ftx u.s so what they did was they maintained just enough money to cover the U.S. users. That way, when the shit hit the fan, they'd have enough money to pay him back. And so he's been saying on all his little pre-apology tour, you know, um, we had enough money to cover the U.S. accounts, you know, and we could have given it to them, you know, but they froze everything. So they had enough to pay back the U.S. members. And potentially they still do. So I think what's going to happen is, they're going to charge him with the crimes. They're going to produce enough money to pay back a majority of the people in the U.S. Maybe an insurance policy will kick in and pay a little bit more. And they'll get most of the U.S. people whole. But remember, there'll be a chunk of U.S. people that have been lying and using the VPN to hide their location. And they will not get made whole. The difference between the, the two situations is that the people who weren't using the U.S. version, they're not going to be covered. And the U.S. isn't going to do anything about it because the U.S. is going to say, that's out of our jurisdiction. We're only in charge of the FTX U.S. members. They've been made whole. 
and you should just go on Sam and just whatever you got to do for the rest of the people all over the other the rest of the world besides the U.S. That's between you and them. We're not filing charges, and I think that's what's going to happen because he made it very clear in all of his interviews the last couple of weeks to explain that there was enough liquidity, there was enough money there to cover all the U.S. people. So that's it. That's my prediction. All right, January 1st, 2023, we probably won't see him go to trial until late 2023, maybe early 2024. If it happens before that, if things roll out quicker, I'll be doubtful. I'll be more skeptical of a fair trial because I I would feel like they're trying to rush to get this thing done and and move along with more regulation. So we'll see. Hopefully they nail him to the cross and burn him at the stake because that's what he deserves. I don't feel sorry for him. I know he's the fall guy. I know he had people around him telling him what to do, but I do not care. He needs to go down with the ship. If he wants to squeal all, all his cronies, that's on him. But I'd be fine with cutting this guy's toes off. So don't mess with me when it comes to words like that. And there you have it. That is the SBF and FTX update. That's such a mouthful. I wish we didn't have to talk about this so much because I hate the acronyms. Speaking of getting fired... I had to fire another person the other day. I'm not going to go into details on who it was or what they did, but I did have to fire a person. I had to let him go. And you know what? I really felt bad. I felt bad. Firing anyone is never fun. I never like doing it. I never enjoy it unless I catch someone doing something that's harmful to me or other people or intentionally stealing or something like that. Then I don't enjoy firing people. If they're doing something really, really naughty, I I do kind of like it. But what I've taken to, my my new method, is whenever someone gets fired, I kind of summarize what they can do to improve their life in their next job. And I know that it it probably comes off as kind of arrogant to them or, um, you know, incompassionate or whatever you want to call it. But I'm very blunt. I normally put some bullet points and I say, Dear so-and-so, If you follow these steps, your life will improve immensely. And then I say, number one, show up on time or whatever. This is not this is not in specific relation to the individual got fired. This is just an example. Number one, show up on time. Number two, do not stand around. Number three, clean up after. And I just put it in kindergartner terms. And I hope I hope deep down inside that they get this last text message. What my style is. I type it out, I hit send, and I immediately block them because I don't have time or desire to want to go back and forth with people, especially once I've made the decision that they should go seek excellence elsewhere. And I truly mean it when I say that I hope it can help them because I've been fired one time. I've only had two two jobs after college. They were both home building. And I got fired from the first one. I quit the second one. And deep down inside... It felt terrible when I got fired. I, I feel like I was fired for something I did not do. But had I gotten a text message from my boss and he gave me some insight and it said, you know, to make things better, do this and this and that, I'd like to think I would appreciate it. I don't know for sure. Maybe some people care about their job. Some people don't. Some people just show up for a paycheck and I get it. And if, if that's the case, then it won't mean anything to anyone if, if they're just showing up for a paycheck. But one thing I'm figuring out, are those the kind of people you don't want? You you don't want people who just show up for a paycheck. Now, sometimes that's that's all you can get and you have no choice and you just you got to take what you can get. But if you can avoid it, hiring people who just show up for a check is not it's not all that good, you know? You want people at least in a small business, right? For Amazon, they want people just showing up for a paycheck. But in a small business environment, It's good to have someone who wants to think and innovate and create and stimulate. And I can't think of nothing else, Tate. But you get what I'm saying. Use your brain, improve your skill set, work your ass off. And if you do those three things in a job, chances are you won't be there for too long. You'll get promoted or you'll get hired away or you'll go work somewhere else and make more money. 
Let's just call those the three steps for success. Bing, bing, bing. It was cold to hell. I should have let film stay in. Let y'all see that that one that's gonna happen to that white woman for letting that damn baby in that road. I'm legally blind. I can see barely. barely. I love that line. I'm legally blind. I can see barely. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me, but it's funny. I can see barely. Not I can barely see. That's just funny. You know, vernaculars, the way people talk, in my opinion, it's okay to, to mess with each other. It's okay to laugh about it and poke fun. I feel like if I was sitting there with Donna Goodo, I would joke with her about the way she talks, and I would also make fun of myself and the way that I talk and the way that it's different and the way that we were raised and the way that our parents spoke. You see, these are the kinds of things you can laugh about. These are the kinds of things that we should be laughing about. These are the kinds of things that we should not hear and say, Well, Brandon, you're just racist. Because these things exist, and comedy is a way to make light of the differences. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Hey, I ain't going nowhere. I'm still going to be right back in the streets. You did, because I'm innocent. I don't care what nobody got to say. I don't care what nobody got to say. I think I might actually kind of be reaching the point where I really don't care what nobody got to say. I really don't. I've come to the conclusion that, you know, if I can't run for office and own my thoughts and opinions, then then I don't need to be I don't need to be running for office. Now, I have no plans of running for office, but that's kind of the common theme that people say when they're talking about what they should and shouldn't be saying in public. And. You know what? If it keeps me from from getting elected, then there's nothing I can do. The people deserve transparency and reality and legitimacy. And that's what I bring you every freaking week. In other social media news, you probably have heard about this cat named Andrew Tate. I'm going to keep it quick because I'm Andrew Tated out. But I want to fill in the people who have probably heard the name Andrew Tate but haven't really heard much more. So... There's this guy. His name's Andrew Tate. He was a kickboxer from the UK. After kickboxing, his life got kind of mysterious. We don't really know for sure how he made all this money. Some people say he inherited it. Some people say he's in bed with the mafia. Some people say he made it on, I don't know, social media or whatever. But either way, he's a controversial individual, and he speaks how he feels. He says his opinions, and they're unpopular. A lot of them people don't like. He says some very extreme things. He, he kind of takes the old-school conservative values and puts a new twist on them. And I'm not saying whether or not I endorse what he says. A big problem I think that we have today is that we have to either love someone or hate them. The society will not allow us to look at someone and say, I really like these characteristics about this individual, but I don't like these other ones. So you have to pick. Do you either like someone or do you hate them? You have to pick one or the other one. So in my opinion, Andrew Tate says a lot of things that are worthy. They're worthy of being said. They're things that other people will not say because they are afraid of getting canceled. I admire the fact that this guy speaks his mind. Now, a lot of the things he says I do not agree with. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I think it's right for women to be property. And a lot of these things he says in, in kind of a sarcastic way, and he's a, he's a provocateur. He wants to get notoriety for, for pushing the limits and whatever. I still think that there's some boundaries. I, w- I would never say something like, I think women are property, but he does. He thinks, you know, according to what he says, if we're, if we're taking him at face value, he says that women are property, and if you have a girlfriend and she makes money showing her butt naked self online, then the boyfriend is entitled to that. And so that's this guy. He also believes that you know men should be chivalrous and they should take care of women and that they should raise a family and have a wife and have kids and produce offspring and you know do the things that families did in the 50s, right? This is really what conservatism is, is just it's preserving the values of the old school ways. And so a lot of the things that he says I do agree with. But regardless, they arrested him in Romania, and he's always boasting about having six passports and having 35 Bugattis, which is a very expensive 
sports car and having jets and having women. He loves just to talk about what he has and all the money he makes and all the things that he has. And it's very important to him that we know that he has very expensive things, which I find weak personally. But either way, he was recently arrested for human trafficking. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens to this guy because he was hated by the left, extremely hated, canceled from every platform. YouTube kicked him off. Facebook kicked him off. Everyone except for Twitter. I think Elon brought him back. I don't know for sure. But either way, he said the things that just enraged the liberals. So they successfully got him banned from everything. Well, what he did in his marketing strategy, and he, he sells these courses, right? He's a grifter. He sells. He teaches guys with low confidence and low testosterone how to be men, and people pay fifty dollars a month for this, and they're they're getting swindled, right? They're getting they're getting ripped off because their life will not change. But either way, what he did to to boost his his classes or his I think it's called like Hustler University or something stupid. What he did was instead of having his own social media platform, he created a multi level marketing scheme. Whereby if you if you posted a link to his website where you sign up for your your stud studology 101 that teaches you how to be a man, then the person who referred you gets money. And then now you can refer people and they can refer people. So before you know it, he's got all these computer nerds that are pasty white paying him 50 bucks a month. And so that adds up pretty quick. What sucks is that they'll never change and they'll always be computer guys. And that's just that's just the fact of life. You can deny that. You can say I'm wrong. You can call me whatever you want to call me. But our ways are set by a certain age. A certain point in life, there's not much changing. And what I guess my whole point is is that he he was able to utilize social media platform and get people to promote his product without actually having to use a social media platform. And so the left just they couldn't figure out how to stop him. It was driving them crazy because what the left side of the spectrum likes to do is to just silence you when they don't like what you're saying and they disagree with you instead of debating with you and having a discussion like adults they would rather just push the mute button and you not be able to talk to anyone which is weak but nonetheless i feel like the guy should have a right to say his opinion i don't think he will spark any type of civil war i don't think he's he doesn't really convey violence he just says this is how i think it should be you can hate me, you can call me whatever you want to, but this is my opinion. And this is just another example of how the media is able to to virtually end someone. Because if he wouldn't have been clever enough to push his marketing, he'd have been done. No one would care about having him on. But he, he amassed a huge following because he creatively structured this system that lets people get paid for promoting what he's saying. And I just found it interesting that you know, right when he kind of reached the pinnacle of what's happening, his career, they arrested him. And so we'll see. I'll keep you posted. But he's currently in Romanian jail. Uh, they got 30 days. The way that it works in Romania, you get arrested or you get detained. Why are you detaining me? For 30 days while they conduct their investigation. If they come back after 30 days and they haven't produced any more evidence, then they proceed with the trial and the hearings and whatnot. If they have produced more evidence, they can go back to the courts and they can say, hey, this is what all we dug up. We need more time to keep digging. And then the court can decide from then, okay, he's detained another 30 days while we continue digging. Or, sorry, that's not enough information and we're going to set a trial. And so that's where we're at with this guy. A lot of people speculate that the U.S. is behind it, that they've convinced Romanian to go get him. Wouldn't surprise me, right? It wouldn't surprise me if they did. I can't say for sure. We'll never know. But it would not surprise me. And remember, if things don't surprise you, keep digging. Which brings me to my next topic. And I think I've mentioned it before. I ain't for sure, but I think so. About this thing called Twitter Spaces. I think I, ha- I, think I have. I think I have. I have mentioned it. But I'm going to talk about it again. So Twitter Spaces. And when I was listening to the commentary about Andrew Tate, on the Twitter spaces, I realized, okay, this guy was arrested like four hours ago. Within four hours, he's got 
all these people that are talking live in real time, answering questions from a panel. And, and the guy who's hosting this Twitter space, his name is Mario. He's got a, a Twitter page. And, you know, a lot of these people, I don't know what they do for a living because they're on their Twitter all day long. So either way, he's got a huge following on Twitter. He hosts these things called spaces, and they're called roundtables. And it's just it's a group of people with differing opinions hashing it out. I think this is a marvelous thing. I'm highly supportive of him. And he had the one the night that Andrew Tate got arrested, and within four hours, they had a Romanian attorney on there. They had people that dealt with all the things that he's been accused with and charged with, that know his history, that know people that have lived with him before. And it was just incredible to me to see how fast this stuff's getting out. Now, I'm not the kind of person who likes to inform everyone whenever something bad happens. I don't, you know, there's a the kind of people that want to be the first one to tell you, oh, RIP so and so, they died. Yep, Barbara Walters died, just so you know. Okay, okay, whatever. I'll, I'll hear it when I hear it. If I really care about someone, I'll know when they die. But so I'm not that guy, but I do really appreciate how fast people can get to the bottom of things. And I think this is just a product of, of technology, society, the way things are going. Um, and we will continue pushing. But I, I've said it once, and I'll say it again. I don't know how things can get much faster. All right? I mean, obviously, it can be a matter of minutes after they arrest the guy. But it, it's not going to change much, right? No matter how much faster it gets, it's, it's within a day, right? Within, within 24 hours, we have so much information. Now, that's not saying that we have accurate information because many times a lot of stuff comes out that's inaccurate. But with this new Twitter space things, you can you can verify your identity as a contributor. You can say, here's my background, here's the law that I've practiced, here's my licensing. And so it can kind of help vet information to make sure we're not spreading disinformation. And whatnot, which I think is a good thing, right? We don't, we don't want to be the people that just spring into the, into the mode of trying to get clicks and saying information and having to go back and apologize. So yeah, that's it. All my notes say was Twitter Spaces. So I just had typed these things into my notes and then I rely on my brain to do the rest. So if you're not on Twitter, do not join it. If you're on there, check out the thing called Spaces. It's actually pretty cool. And by the way, if they do, that means not a joke, everybody. That's why we were defeated in, in 2018 when they tried to do it. We went to 54 states. a boy, Joe. Tell them how many states you went to. Easy for you to say. Yeah, I prefer my presidents not sounding drunk every time they speak in public. A lot of you are too young, and I am too. But I do know this is true. Biden used to be the laughing stock of Congress. He used to be the clown... He was like the Sheila Jackson Lee of Congress, which who is, by the way, now all of a sudden bragging about all the things he's getting done. There was a huge uh, stack of executive orders or bills or something on his desk that he was signing. Just just a video of him, just a stack of books just being signed of laws and regulations and rules and policies and money and it's just so odd to me, the timing of this, that they planned this whole thing out. This is not by mistake. This is all by design. After the midterms, so going into the midterms, the incumbents or the people who are already in power, all they do is just bash opponents, right, for four or five months leading up to the midterms. Talk about how bad the Republicans are and the Republicans this and the Republicans that. And then after the midterms, now they go and they say, look at us. Look at what we've got done. Look at everything we've gotten accomplished. It's so predictable and it's so silly. But either way, it, it works for them. They spend lots of money trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work and how to build sentiment. Not so that they can make the country better, but just so they can win again because they, they need to be in power. They need to be the ones leading it's very important to these people that they stay in charge and they maintain control in order to do what's best for us little peons. And if Biden keeps up, if he keeps signing and getting things done and accomplishing and spending, we're going to look like Europe. 
In no time, we will look like Europe. We will not have hobbies. We will not have extracurricular activities. We won't have RVs. We won't have big yards. We won't have air conditioning. We won't have two cars per household. We'll ride trains everywhere. We'll work where we live. There will be no commute. And this is what this is what more regulations looks like. And it's so disheartening for me to sit back and look at people who are excited to get things done without understanding the repercussions that these things will have. Because remember, we don't take away laws. We don't take away policy. We just continually add them, right? I don't think our forefathers ever had the intentions of piling on so many laws and regulations. But here we are. We're here and we're just signing away. Just good job, Biden. You better have two pens because you're going to run out of ink. You're just getting, getting so much done, just working for the American people. What's funny, that's, that's not really that funny. I finally figured out, and I, I, I'm kind of not sure if I should say this, but I'm going to, I'm going to put it out there. And I may, I may impose a correction at some point, but I feel like the politician that I align with most, that I've come to understand how they think and what they say and what they do, is Rand Paul. He is the most logical guy that I know, and hey, guess what? So am I. <laughs> but in, in all seriousness, I like the way that he just pushes back against terrible ideology. Regardless of whether it's his quote-unquote colleagues, his other Republican homeboys, the Democrats, whoever, he's willing to say what's messed up. It's messed up. And so, yeah, I don't have a lot more to say about all that. I just wanted to bring to y'all's attention that if I had to name one politician that I agree with on more topics than anything, it's Rand Paul. Whole white baby, bro. No, no nothing on. And his parents still ain't showed up yet. Okay. I think this will be my final trick of the night, if you know what I mean. It might be a long one, so... Grab yourself a cup of coffee or a monster like I'm about to do. I've moved up in the world from my generic orange soda to a blue monster. And there's nothing quite like that initial burn of an ice cold blue monster hitting the back of your throat. And now we're going to talk about the Ukraine. I figured out the other day, just by doing a little digging, I said, man, I wonder how much... How much have we actually sent either in dollars or weapons to the Ukraine? And the number that I came up with was $100 billion. $100 billion. Just to put that into perspective, you know, people talk about millionaires and billionaires. Keep in mind that a billionaire is a thousand times more wealthy than a millionaire, than someone who has $1 million. If two dudes, one got a million, the other one got a billion, the dude who got a billion has a thousand times more. So now we've sent $100 billion worth of cashola or weapons to Ukraine. And then I got to thinking, I wonder how much Russia, if if it's taken us $100 billion just to fend off the Russians, how much have the Russians spent on Ukraine? So I looked up. What's the Russian annual federal military budget? Anyone want to take a guess? I'll give you a couple seconds. Time's up. $95 billion. So, in the amount of time that we've been there in Ukraine fighting Russia, which I know we haven't had our boys there, but we've had our money there and our weapons there, we've spent more money on that than Russia spends on their entire military in an entire year. Now, hopefully this gets your blood pressure going. Hopefully it's not as much as it does me. But you should care about these things. How much more will we spend? That's, that's what I want to know. How much more? And on top of that, however this thing ends, someone will have to pay to rebuild Ukraine. And after doing some more digging... I've come to the conclusion that right now, to, to rebuild from where they are right now, if they just shook hands tomorrow and Putin said, okay, 
you can keep your eastern half of your country and we will go our separate ways and you can buy oil from us again and everything will be fine. To rebuild from right now, $1 trillion. A trillion dollars. Now, let's just for a second, let's, let's dive off into conspiracy theory world. And let's just say, hypothetically, that the war ends. doesn't matter how or when or where. Let's just say that the war ends. Do you think for a second that the U.S. Now, remember, let's operate this exercise under the assumption that there's corruption and that the Ukraine politicians are scraping money off the top, all right? If you don't agree with that, if you think that they're all upstanding citizens and they spend most of their time in church and they would never take free money given to them by the West, then that's your opinion. But for this exercise, let's just hypothetically say that they're all getting paid by our tax dollars. What makes you think that that money's not flowing back to U.S. politicians? Because I'll tell you what, Mitt Romney, Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, Rick Perry, and many others have had deals go south in Ukraine and others not go south and actually come to fruition. So lots of money gets funneled through Ukraine. It costs a trillion dollars to rebuild it. If we're all agreeing that there's corruption and we're agreeing that money gets slid back to the U.S. politicians, what's to stop them from running around after the war's been ended and say, we have to spend money to rebuild Ukraine? For whatever reason, and we know the reason, they're going to convince everyone that we have to send money over there for aid of Ukraine and to help the little children who are displaced because their schools are hit with bombs. Now, I know it sounds heartless of me. It sounds like I don't care about kids getting blown up in school. It's not the case at all. The case is there's a lot of you know whatery going on. It rhymes with duckery going on over there. And how do I know this? Well, number one, because there was a picture circulating a couple weeks ago with a little child. And the little child had smudges on its face and a kind of little cut over its eye. And it just had this sad look on its face. And its clothes were tattered. And it said something along the lines of, This is why we have to help Ukraine. This little child named Igor was displaced from his school because it was shelled. After it got fact-checked, the picture was from the mid-90s in, like, Kazakhstan. So... My question is, why is it that people are so hell-bent on just pouring money into Ukraine? Number one, the politicians want it so they can get paid. And number two, it's being sold to the public by the politicians through the media. This is the exact same thing that's happened in pretty much every war we've been involved in. Now, I think that Possibly World War II is something that we needed to get involved in. I, everything other than that, either I don't know enough to say, or I think it was it was done for us to acquire resources. Going back and doing some research on the Iraq situation, whenever George Bush uh, decided to invade, I've come to the conclusion. Mm, sound like Joe Biden. I've come to the conclusion that a lot of that was a scam. That, that Dick Cheney and Rumsfeld and Bush, they were just chomping at the bit to go invade Iraq. Now, we could speculate why. We could say it's for their oil, it's for their resources. We can guess that, you know, they would have an effect on the oil supply throughout the rest of the world and the U.S. could pick up the gap. We don't know what the motivations were, but do your own research and you will probably come to the same conclusion that it was all intentional and without reason. I mean, th just think about it from a 50,000-foot perspective. The dude who controlled the planes that blew up the World Trade Center was from Afghanistan. But somehow or another, we decided to go invade Iraq. Now, you could present that to an 8-year-old, and they would say, that doesn't make sense, and they'd be right. And I truly believe, even though we shouldn't be involved in Ukraine, and I don't think we should, there's other people that disagree with me, uh, I think we should wait till it escalates to a point that needs our involvement, and then we step in. But until then, I say we step back. But even though we shouldn't be involved, I think that we, we're involved less 
than we would be if this was 15, 20 years ago. Because here's my thesis. 15 or 20 years ago, the people, all of us, didn't have access to information and media and footage and videos and interviews of what's happening over there. And so if you go back and you look through history, World War II had an enormous amount of support. Everyone wanted to go in there and kick ass and take names, and it was America, America first, support our boys, get them home alive. With each subsequent war or skirmish, whatever you want to call it, skirmish, however you say it, there's been less and less support by the public. And I think that's because we've been given more and more access to reality, to the battlefields, right? When Vietnam was shown over the airwaves, people instantly pushed back and they said, hey, time out. We don't like this. This is too violent. There's people getting blown up. There's people dying. And so you had this emotional outcry. And even if it wasn't founded on factual evidence, the government now had to deal with a group of people who were dissatisfied with the invasion. And I truly believe that with social media, it's given us the power to keep this thing a proxy war and not have our troops go over there and our sons go over there and die in the name of corruption. And that's one of the things that I do like about social media. I despise how it's manipulated us into hating one another in the name of profits. But I like the fact that it's adding a level of transparency. Even if the world doesn't understand what's happening there, we're able to look at it. And we're able to say, hey, time out, guys. I can see what you've spent over there. I can see what Russia spends. Where's this money going? See, in the 1950s and 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s, no one had access to any of that. And so now, since people have that, there's an added level of accountability to the government. And I think that whenever these, these old guys who are used to a world whereby there's less accountability and there's less citizen involvement, whenever they're gone, things might look different. And I'm holding out hope for this country that whenever Gen Z takes office, a group of people who know what the Internet can do and they can understand the power of it and how to use it not only in their benefit but to hold people accountable. And I picked Gen Z because they're the first generation that will have had access to the Internet from birth to adulthood. And I think because of that, they'll be more equipped to demand transparency Right now, you got people like Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi that they couldn't tell you 3% about the Internet and how it worked and technology. They, they're just too old. We all eventually get too old to keep up with technology. It's just the way that it goes. I can already feel it in my life, and I'm only 43. Remember when the, when the whole thing started in Ukraine and there was like this myth circulating around about the ghost of Kiev and it was some mysterious fighter pilot that was going around and defending the city from Russian invaders and how quickly that was dispelled, how fast people said, no, 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 this is not true. This is a meme. Relax, people. This is fake. How quickly that happened. Had this been 20 years ago, that that guy, whoever this, this guy was, would have been considered a hero. And we wouldn't have been able to prove that it was fake. We would have just lived by the folklore of the ghost of Kiev. And so it makes me happy to know that because of these things, maybe one day we'll be able to provide more accountability to government because it must suck from their perspective. I sit there and I picture like Mitch McConnell talking to Richard Nixon and Richard Nixon th saying things like, dude, you want to know what we used to get away with? You guys got it tough now. If you think about it, this, this same yeah, this same sentiment holds true in any type of large institution or organization, right? I can sit here and talk about when I started building homes in the early 2000s as like someone in my mid-20s could walk into a bank and because of how I presented the business deal, they'd scratch me a check for a million dollars and let me go build some houses, those were the good old days. Those times are gone now. Back then, you could go borrow a million dollars, build three homes with zero money out of pocket. Now, that's done. It's changed. 
And we're foolish to think that that same thing isn't happening on the level of the federal government. That they're not sitting around saying, man, back in the good old days, dude, we used to take money from corporations. We'd put it in this bank account offshore. No one would know about it. We'd go to vacation there. We'd live lavish. You can't do that anymore. Can you, Mitch McConnell? And so I just hope as time goes on, we have the ability to do more and more and more of that. Now, it's going to come at a cost. It will, it will cost us our privacy and our freedom, too. Well, maybe not our freedom if we play our cards right, but it will cost our privacy. Because as things change, the government has more insight into, into what we're doing. And they have more technology to see how we're spending our money and where we're spending our time. I just hope that we can maintain that on the flip side and that we can see what they're doing. I had a vision the other day of how cool it would be if I could go to the federal government's website and I could say, I want to see the budget for the entire country. I want to see where the money's allocated. And then I could start clicking on things and start seeing where it was spent. There was this contract that was bid by this person and they provided this and here's their website. And the general public should have access to all that. It should be a transparent situation. We shouldn't have to wonder where our tax dollars go. I mean, we work our asses off to pay taxes. We should have a right to know where every single dime goes. And we have the technology to organize it and put it in front of us. We just need to do it. But the people who are in charge don't want to do it because they don't want that accountability. But one day, we will be. But one day... This year, we will be. We're not rich like y'all. That's one thing y'all going to have to understand. But one day, this year, we will be because we have Barack Obama. That was back when Obama was president, and uh, everyone thought he was going to change things. He was going to make the black people who had terrible lives, he was just going to wave his magic wand and make it all better. Yeah, that's, that's what Obama was going to do. How'd that work out? All brought to you by Identity Politics, ladies and gentlemen. Identity Politics. Remember, voting for someone because they're black is just as stupid as voting for someone because they are white. You got some big testicles to pull this off, bro. That's what they say, anyway. All right, I think that's going to do it. I appreciate you listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. The only show on the interwebs that has nothing to do with the title. The only show on the interwebs that has nothing to do with the category at which it's listed by its podcast hosting platforms because the host is too lazy and too unknowledgeable to change anything. Nonetheless, I do appreciate your attention for the last 57 minutes. I'm going to go inside. I'm going to cook some cornbread and eat my black-eyed peas for good luck. And I hope you do the same thing. If my mom were alive today, she'd be very proud of me. For making a big old pot of black-eyed peas and giving them away at the brewery so that everyone has good luck. I'll never forget my mom every single year would demand that we eat black-eyed peas on New Year's Day. And I'm very glad she did it and I will continue the tradition. So if you're ever in Corpus Christi around the time of New Year's Day or on New Year's Day for that matter, please come by New Oasis Brewing Company and get your free black-eyed peas. Brought to you by... Sandra K. Harper. Again, thank you for listening. Happy New Year. I hope everyone has the greatest year of their life. Go out there. Be brave. Tell the people what you think. Don't get bullied around. Don't let other people get bullied. Eat your black eyed peas. Say your prayers. And most of all, do not vote for Joe Biden. Much more fun, you know that only the. D-